This is Commander Uhur of the Starship Enterprise, a.k.a. Nichelle Nichols, wishing you the best of the best through eternity. All hailing frequencies are now on hold. Thank you so much. Yes, that was the great Nichelle Nichols there uh, at a recent convention in Anaheim, California. And that clip was sent to us by Mina, who uh, is going to be giving us a little report on that con later in today's podcast here on Treks in Sci-Fi. This is Rico, your host. We've got, uh, I think it's going to be really a good show this week. Real, uh, lots of stuff to talk about. And I, I just, I'm really excited about uh, covering the episode this week, which is called Alice, uh, which is from the series Star Trek Voyager. So uh, it, it's it's just going to be a lot of fun. Got that to cover. Uh, Mina's Khan report. Uh, got some other clips from listeners. Going to tell you a little bit about uh, my uh, recent things going on for me in Rockford. Just all kinds of fun geeky things too besides well they're not really geeky things here in rockford things like apartment hunting and and stuff like that but uh i think you're going to enjoy this week uh again I'll, as always thank you for downloading and listening and here we go and oh oh forgot to say today is uh april the 18th no <laughs> april the 25th 2010 this is podcast 276 for treks in sci-fi Welcome back and welcome to the show uh, for everyone listening. Uh, if you've tuned in to this Geek Fest for the first time, welcome. I'm, I'm glad you decided to give us a try. And uh, as I have said many, many times, uh, I appreciate everyone who has listened for a while uh, for coming back again and listening to my, 
wonderful voice, right? Oh, you know. Uh, no, just uh, it, it's great to be able to do these each week, especially with being away from home. It gives me a chance to sort of reflect on things going on. Oh, my gosh, it's getting deep already. No, it's not. No, 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 really. No, it just it's, uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of reasons. And even when I was back at, in, at home in Michigan, you know, that each week I, I really look forward to, to doing the show and uh, just sharing what's going on a little bit with me, you know, and, and a little bit what's going on in the world of Trek and uh, sci-fi and television and movies and all that. I feel like my my voice seems a little rough today for some reason. I don't know why. I feel pretty good. It's about uh, 10.45 a.m. in the uh, early Sunday morning. Well, I don't know if that's really early. I've been up since about 7 o'clock. But I've been gathering clips to do the show, getting things prepared, doing a little laundry here at this house that I'm renting for my relatives, and which is going to change here in about a month or so. I started to scout around uh, this week uh, for a new place to live, and... It's sort of both a fun thing to do and and also kind of a pain, frankly. <laughs> uh, moving won't be that big of a deal. I don't have a lot of stuff. That's not really what's what's kind of, I guess, the difficult part of it. That's just the you know what I call like the details of it, and and I'll be able to do that in a few trips or whatever, even with my small car. But it, what is a bit of a difficulty is just not only having to find another place, but picking the right one because I. You know, potentially this this next place could last a while. I, I don't know. I mean, currently I'm still contracting for Tester. Thank you very much if you're listening. <laughs> but, uh, you know, whether and when that will become permanent, I don't know how long the contract will go. I You know, I de- there's a lot of, there's still a little bit of unknown, although I've gotten very good feedback. They seem to enjoy my work, and there is plenty to do. And, and again, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. But, you, you know, you never know. So uh, if started to look at these places and, and the other thing that's a little difficult for me and I've been trying to talk to people at work about this is I don't know the area super well I mean I know it, I'm getting to know it pretty well I've been here for a few months now but I don't know it like Michigan and I don't know you know what would be the best place to to be in and, you know and I have a few you know kind of bits of criteria for one I want to be pretty close to work still so that kind of limits things a little uh, and, uh, you know, I'd like to find a place that's comfortable. And uh, I've been looking at uh, houses that have been split into multiple parts and they rent them out, you know, that situation. I've looked at a regular old, good old apartment complex with, with different units in them. Uh, and uh, I've looked at a weird little place that's in the downtown area that's above a newspaper that's run here. So, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And they all have, you know, one of the things that's always tricky about a, a you know, fairly big decisions like this is, is is there's no thing that's just screaming right now at me saying, oh, this would be the best place to live or this would be great. Uh, you know, they all have their pluses and minuses, and, and that's what makes it tricky. You know, you kind of lay things out and you go, okay, you know, these are the advantages, these are the disadvantages, pluses and minuses. But the the trouble with, with doing that or the hard thing about that is, is that it's not like you know, there's one that has all all these pluses and it has one tiny little minor thing, you know, that I don't like or whatever. Each of them so far has had something that's kind of making me feel like, yeah, maybe I could find something better, I I guess is what it comes down to. It isn't terrible. I could probably almost live in just about any of the places that I've seen so far, but there's still something so far about each one that's kind of like, yeah, again, maybe there's something better. And, you know, one advantage right now 
And I feel like I've already talked about this subject too long. We got to get into Trek and geek stuff. Got a lot to cover, and I, I won't do much more here. But I, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I've got limited time to do this. I've got about the next maybe three weeks or so, maybe well, probably not. I probably my max time is I have till about the end of May, really. But I'd like to kind of get it sealed up a little bit faster than that. I've got a couple of weekends in May. I'm going to be going home, so that that kind of limits my my weekends in that month to do anything, looking and moving and all that. So, uh, well, I'll keep everyone posted. I've also uh, I have a Flickr page. I think it's just Flickr.com/slash/treksf. If you feel like looking at any photos of everything that's going on with me and apartment hunting and here in Rockford, feel free to check that out. And now we're going to take a short break. I'll be back with uh, a little bit more geeky topics. <laughs> Coming soon to the Martians Are Here podcast, a special audio presentation from guest writer Simon Meddings. What's a jolly swagman? This is the Outback you've never seen before. Pulling up outside his house, Robert's jaw dropped open. His front windows were black. They were normally dusty, but not black. Clamoring from his vehicle, he edged closer to his home and strained hard to examine the glass panels. The closer he got, the more obvious what the black was. It wasn't paint or dirt. It was flies. Once a Jolly Swagman, coming soon to the Martian Beer Podcast. Okay, I'm back. Getting a little bit. I'm not having any tea this morning. I'm having Country Time Lemonade, good source of vitamin C. Oh, there goes my advertisement for Country Time. Hey, send me some free lemonade, Country Time, would you? <laughs> uh, geek topics. First off, I want to talk about last weekend, about a week ago, I saw the movie Kick-Ass in the theater. Oh, well, that's where it is right now. And this is based on a uh, comic book series. It's a very short series. Only about eight issues was, or eight issues were put out so far. I've heard that they might do more at some point. I, I debated a little bit about whether to read the comic prior to seeing this film or, or you know, the other way. I've always tried to usually read things for big movies. Like Harry Potter, I've always read the books before I've seen the movies. And, you know, Lord of the Rings, I had read those books, you know, years before the movies came out and that kind of stuff. So especially with things that are, are, you know, the book form is kind of its primary thing. And that's kind of true with comics a little bit. But this movie, Kick-Ass, was a little weird situation because 
They also, they were kind of working on the comics, especially the last uh, few issues of it, I think, as they were doing the movie. And so there was a little bit of a blending of the of the two. And I had also heard that there were a few changes between the comic and the movie. So what ended up happening is I, I read about the first, I think, five issues of the comic. And that kind of sets things up. And, and a lot of what, what goes on there, and I'm not going to give, you know, th- this is going to be a pretty spoiler-free review of the comic and the movie. But the most of what you pick up from the trailers for this movie for Kick-Ass uh, were were just you know those first few issues of the comic are were pretty much there. You can kind of get the gist of things. Some of the little you know specific incidents are you know there's some alterations and changes a little, but the basics are the same. But what I found myself when I was getting to like about the you know maybe third to the last six issue six or so maybe seven even uh, probably six was that I was concerned that the last few issues were going to sort of give away the ending in a way or give away a lot of things that maybe I felt like since the guys who did the comic and the the movie people were all working so tightly together, I felt like, well, gosh, do I really want, the movie's going to be out in a few days, do I really want to spoil the surprise of what's going to happen in the movie by reading the comic ahead of time? So I stopped, basically. I decided to stop reading the comic, and I went to see the movie, and I'm I'm pretty happy with that decision right now, and and I'm saying all this for other people that might be in this same situation, because for a couple of things. One, I think that it made the movie more enjoyable. Uh, the the movie, I would say, the biggest changes to the film are towards the end. They're you know the the basics you know of the story and everything that happens. You know the essence of it is all still there, but there are some pretty big things, especially the last big sort of. Uh, piece of the film that they change a fair amount from the comic to the movie and I don't think I'm really giving anything away because I think this has been reported pretty much on the net and all and again I'm not going to say what things happen what does or doesn't happen but uh, it is uh, it is a fun movie though I mean this is for if you're a comic book fan and have read comics for a long time. You really need to see this movie. This this movie's a lot of fun. It's rated R. There's a lot of language, a lot of violence, obviously. And you can tell that from the previews. And I would say people in their mid-teens and up uh, would be able to see it for parents out there who might be listening. I, I would definitely, I don't think a kid who's like even maybe 10 or so should really be seeing this movie. I mean, there's the, the little girl, hit girl in the movie. I mean, she's got a, she has some language in this movie that's just, you don't expect a little girl, and I think she's supposed to be about 10-ish, 10 or 11 or something. You don't expect the, the words that she uses to come out of a, a little girl's mouth. But it, it's all, I hate to say that, it's this over-the-top situation, but I really like the idea of this movie, and, and and I like the idea of the comic, and I think, you know, that this has been sort of, this idea has been touched on before of just an average, everyday kind of kid who's read comics and sort of, he 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 really, you know, is taken with the whole superhero thing of why, the, you know, people go out and dress up and hide their uh, identity and then try to help people. I like that theme of the movie a lot, and I like the fact that they use that in both the comic and the movie quite a bit. I almost think they use it a little bit more in the movie than they did in the comic. And just this idea that, you know, there's he lives in a pretty rough area and there's, you know, crime and things happening and, and people are just standing around and not doing anything about it. And, it, you know, it kind of bugs him. And, he, of course, he reads comics, so he decides to go out and be a superhero. 
And of course, from the previews in that, I don't think it's too big of a surprise. It doesn't go exactly the greatest for him, especially at first. So, uh, but it's a great movie. Lots of fun. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think the the people in it. I'm glad that the actors that they you know that they picked. I think they did a great job in the casting. I think that that really shines. And Nicolas Cage is 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 fantastic in it. He's you know the probably the biggest name. All the the other characters, like the the guy that plays Kickass, is pretty unknown, and the and the other like teenage type actors, teenage to early twenty uh, act, age actors, you've probably seen in things a little bit, but none of them are really like big names or anything like that. And the little girl who plays Hit Girl is just uh, amazing. Uh, Chloe, I think, is her first name, but I don't know her. She has kind of a mince, rinse, mince or something. Is her? She's like three names. She uses her middle name or it's hyphenated or something. But sorry about that, Chloe. But she's great as Hit Girl. She's just got a huge, I think, career ahead of her. I, I, you know, she's kind of this Dakota Fanning type where she she is much more sophisticated. And I think a lot of that is just due to the script and the language she has to use in the movie that you know for for her age for being the age she is and uh, the action and everything is is just amazing too and this movie was not made uh, with with a real big budget or anything like that but i i think it doesn't it's not hurt by any of that i think they they did a good job so i would urge again every comic book fan or people that like geeky things like this just watch a trailer and you'll get an idea if you want to see it i think the trailers uh, give you a pretty good idea of what the movie's like so go see kick-ass i'd really love to see them do another another film uh, even though this covered the issues that are out in the comic right now maybe they'll make another one at some point i'd like to see it successful because these guys really made this movie off on their own they didn't get a lot of studio support or banking or anything it was pretty independent and even once they made it, they had trouble finding somebody to um, distribute the movie. So go see Kick-Ass. I, I highly recommend it. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Mike. Do you like Stargate SG-1? Did you think it was all over? We didn't, and so the Gatecast was born. We are two guys with far too much time on our hands and are exploring the stories of Stargate Command, episode by episode with commentary about our favourite SG team's adventures. You mean the girly kick-ass team from Atlantis? No. We're talking about Jack O'Neill, Sam Carter, Daniel Jackson and Teok who make up SG-1 along with Dr. Frazier, Walter and General Hammond who lead the human race towards new worlds where people have certainly been before and some a long, long time ago. Each week a new episode will be discussed along with news and listener comments. So search for Gatecast on iTunes or use your chosen podcatcher. Or visit us at gatecast.facecast.com or our Facebook page. And join in the fun. We guarantee all comments will be read out. Gatecast. By fans, for fans. And switching gears, the next thing that I want to slide in here is uh, someone contacted me, Mina, who lives out in Southern California. And, uh, oh, maybe her and Kenny are neighbors. Uh, But uh, she sent me an email a few weeks back and and just mentioned that... uh, she is someone that goes to a lot of conventions, both, you know, comic cons and trek cons and whatever else happens to be in the area. And, of course, living in, in Southern California gives you a lot of opportunity to go to those things. I, I'm envious. <laughs> but she volunteered and said that since she goes to these things, she would be willing to do some uh, audio segments and reports from the different conventions that she's going to, you know, this convention season. And I think I've got a uh, clip here that she's going to, uh, or I'm going to play of hers that she sent in uh, just uh, this past week about her experience at the recent Anaheim Anaheim Comic Con. 
That was only about a week ago, maybe two. And well, she'll tell you all about it. So this is the first of Mina's reports. And she is also the one that has sent in that Nichelle Nichols uh, clip at the beginning of today's podcast and some other audio bits. And she's also got access and has had access to uh, getting uh, things from TV shows. I think she's been on sets and stuff like that. She said uh, Chuck is one and a few others. But I think she talks about that a little bit in her segment, too. So, uh, again, uh, this is great. Mina, I really appreciate it. Love to hear more. I think you did a great job with this. So take it away, Mina, and uh, your uh, little convention report from Anaheim. Hi there, Trex and Sci-Fi listeners. This is Mina, also known as Awesome Rococo. You see, I have a bit of a convention habit. I live in Southern California, so I have the great pleasure of being able to get to a lot of these great sci-fi and Comic-Cons that happen in my area, and a few that aren't even in my area that much. So I've been talking to Rico, and in the next couple months, and maybe more, I'm going to be bringing you some reports from some of the conventions that happen around. First up, this past weekend, we had the Anaheim Comic-Con, also known as the Wizard Comic-Con or Wizard World. This is a new convention for uh, this Southern California area, and it was great. Um, You know, San Diego Comic-Con, which everyone knows well about, is huge and a little daunting if you're not used to it, and really a little daunting even if you are used to it. And I think if you've ever wanted to hit up something like that, where there's a lot of cool guests and interesting things to see, but maybe aren't quite ready for the hustle and bustle and just pure massive amount of people that is at regular Comic-Con in San Diego, this Anaheim Comic-Con is a great place to start because there's a lot of neat things to see, and it was a great three-day event, but it just didn't quite have the uh, massive amount of people that can kind of just get overwhelming like it can at Comic-Con. So at this Anaheim Comic-Con, there was a great presence of Star Trek guests, uh, the headliner of which, really the headliner of the entire convention, was the great William Shatner. Captain Kirk himself was on hand um, on Saturday, which was fantastic. Um, He did a panel talk where he talked about his experiences on Star Trek and also about some of his upcoming works. He's in uh, a new pilot that's going to be hopefully coming out this year based on the Twitter uh, user called Shit My Dad Says, of all things. Um, I'm kind of bummed. I actually had tickets to go to the taping of this pilot and couldn't get time off from work, so... It was really interesting hearing him talk about it, and I really hope the pilot gets picked up, because I'd love to see him on TV every week. Um, Other Star Trek celebrities that were attending, uh, from Star Trek The Next Generation, we got Brent Spiner, Michael Dorn, and LeVar Burton. Data, Worf, and Geordi were all in the house, and it's just great seeing those guys. They were all signing at the Lightspeed Fine Art booth um, for Saturday and Sunday, and it was just great to see those guys. They all look fantastic. And it's fun to see them together. The three of them have such a great um, a great time together. They have a lot of fun. It's obvious they're, they're all very close. And so it's just great to see them out and about. And they're all really nice guys. Michael doesn't do as many conventions as some of the others. So it was, it was a great pleasure to see him and, you know, uh, be able to spend some time with them. That was really great. All three are just very gracious, nice people. Also in attendance was Ciroc Lofton, who's not so little anymore, like we remember uh, him as Jake Sisko. Also a really nice guy, Um, just always good to see him. He's, again, just like everyone else, great with the fans, wonderful to see, and just a real pleasure. Um, Also at the Lightspeed booth, we got um, Kevin Sorbo, not a Star Trek celebrity, 
but Hercules, and again, a very nice guy, very gracious, pleasant, takes a lot of time to talk to his fans, and, uh, you know, I never got into the Hercules series or any of that, but, you know, just based on spending a little bit of time with him at a couple of conventions, I'm a big fan of his. I'll, one day I'll have to go back and watch Hercules, because I think, I think it'd be a lot of fun to see. And then, last but not least, she wasn't signing uh, where I was working quite as much, but Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhura, was there. And she is still gorgeous after all these years. She looks fantastic. Um, I've been going to a lot of conventions for a number of years, and somehow I've always missed her. So seeing her this time was fantastic. Sweet as could be, she also did a panel discussion where she talked about her experiences what being Uhura meant to her, and it was just, like I said, just so lovely to see her. Um, a real pleasure, and she's a wonderful lady. I was excited to get her to sign a uh, poster that I've been working on for a number of years that she needed to sign, and she was just so sweet, and she recorded a little greeting for us for Treks and Sci-Fi that I'm sure Rico will be playing for you. And so it was a great time. Other fun things at the convention, there were a lot of other stars. I was excited to see Billy D. Williams, uh, best known as Lando Calrissian from the uh, Empire Strikes Back, of course. Um, I had never seen him before at an event, and it was just a real pleasure to meet him. He looks good as well, a little older than we remember, um, but he was great. He did a talk about um, Empire Strikes Back and his experiences on Star Wars. Irvin Kirshner. The director of Empire Strikes Back was supposed to be at the event, but unfortunately at the last minute he did cancel. Um, he's having an illness, and so he was dealing with that. So that was disappointing, but of course um, seeing Billy D. Williams was pretty cool. Lots of other actors were there. Um, Jewel State from Firefly was there. That's a joy. Um, I'm a big fan of Chuck, so Mark Christopher Lawrence was there, which I had a lot of fun with. And there's many, many more. If you want to find out about Anaheim Comic Con, there's also this same group that does the Anaheim Comic Con, does uh, several Comic Cons around the world. They do one in New York. Um, they do one in a lot of different places. So if you want to find out about where they're going to have another Comic Con, you can find that out at www.wizardworld.com. Looks like they're going to have one in Philadelphia, Chicago, New England. Um, so, you know, no matter where you live, there should be one of these around, and I know, you know, you never know which Star Trek celebrities or which celebrities are going to be there, but generally, there's always a great presence of Star Trek, um, actors, and it's always a pleasure to meet them. So, this has been the convention report for Treks and Sci-Fi. Um, like I said, this is kind of the beginning of convention season. There's a lot coming up. In July, we have, of course, San Diego Comic-Con, which I'll be happy to bring some reports from. And then after that, in August, there's the big annual Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. And I'll be there, and I hear Rico's going to try and be there, so I hope to uh, see a lot of you there. And in the meantime, if there's anything else that comes up, I'm sure I will try and make it there. So I'd love to see you all, and uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, that was great, Mina. I really appreciate it. I think you did a fantastic job, and uh, I, I know if you're not used to you know recording, it's a, you know sometimes it's a little tricky, but you, you really pulled it all together. And uh, it's great that they had all those people there, the various actors. And I know it's uh, it's always fun to go to cons and meet people. And, and it sounds like you had a really good group there too. You know, there 
there have been times, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, that I've met some celebrities, and it hasn't really been as as great as I wished it had been, you know. Uh, you, but there are certain ones, and and uh, you named many of them that are that are just super nice and always, you know, so gracious and and, and ha- really seem truly happy to see the fans and out there and smile and you know take pictures with them and sign autographs and. They, they just seem to like being there. And you can tell. You can really tell when someone's doing it to just get a little, you know, a few extra bucks or, or it's just some kind of commitment their, their, you know, agent said they should do or I don't know, whatever the reasons are. But then there are the other ones that really genuinely seem to enjoy being there. And it sounds like you had a lot of those. So that's that's great. And anytime you'd like to send in more reports like that or just talk about anything that you've seen or, or done related to, you know, geeky topics and, and that – We'd love to have it, and uh, again, thanks so much for getting the people to say those little clips. I, I know you you told me in your email it's a, it's a little tricky to do, and you know people are like, eh, what you know what's this Trek sci-fi thing all about <laughs> or whatever. Uh, some people seem to get it, and some don't. A, a lot of it has to do with just the age factor. A little, some of the older stars just seemed, what's this podcasting stuff all about? I don't understand, you know. <laughs> But, again, Mina, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Hi, this is Jules Stage just saying hi to Treks and Sci-Fi. I also wanted to follow up and this week on that Trek auction where they were auctioning off pieces from the experience. Uh, Ricardo Lopez um, sent in a report. He actually went to the auction, and he told me on an email he took his kids there, and he was able to actually snag a little piece of the timeline for those that have uh, there was this wall display of uh, the Star Trek timeline and he uh, actually bought a little piece of that uh, from the experience so good for you uh, Mr. Lopez that's that's fantastic uh, it sounds like it was a cool event I, I, I really wonder where all those little items went to I'm not even sure uh, maybe you can give me a follow-up email if you're listening this week uh, about whether they sold everything off already or if there's stuff that's left over or, or what the situation is but uh, that's cool that you were able to go and, and get a piece of the, the now defunct, unfortunately, Star Trek experience. But I guess rumors are flying that they may do a new one at some point in time. I, I would really think that if they do another Star Trek movie, and well, if, not if, when, when they do another Trek movie and if it's successful again like the last one was, that I could think I could see them doing a new theme uh, like this at, at some Vegas spot, maybe centering more along the lines of the movies that J.J. Abrams is working on and that part of the Star Trek uh, universe and, and, you know, create something new and, and pretty cool, hopefully. So uh, it's uh, it's not over exactly yet. It's over for the old one, but maybe we'll get a new one someday. Okay, I just wanted to pop in real quick here and and talk a little bit about some promotions and, and ways to save money. You, you can... Uh, if you go over to the treksinsci-fi.com main webpage, there are links to various items and things that you can save money on. GoDaddy, if you want to have hosting or buy a domain, there's discount codes there. Also, a place called zazzle.com where you can save money on custom-made T-shirts and mouse pads and mugs and all kinds of cool things. So just check that out when you get a chance. Go over to uh, treksinsci-fi.com. And on the main page in the information area, you can find links to all that information and ways to save on those uh, great services and other things uh, on the web. 
Okay, I think it's time to get into the episode Alice from Star Trek Voyager. This is um, going to be today's subject. I'm going to be doing a clip type show. I think I may have mentioned that at the beginning. I don't think I did actually now. But it's not going to be one where I'll play the whole episode. I've selected a, a good number of clips, about nine or ten, that I'm going to play for you. This is this episode, Alice, uh, is from early in uh, Voyager's season six. So, you know, all the characters are pretty well defined. The actors have done the roles for a while. And so I think that helps, uh, too. We, we get a, a cool little episode. Basically, the premise of this episode is this. Voyager runs across a sort of interstellar junkyard of, you know, just things floating in space, old derelict ships, uh, various items, artifacts, and that, and there's this sort of junkyard salesman guy that they meet there, and uh, Tom Paris discovers that there's this small little shuttle-sized vessel uh, in the debris, and and it catches his eye, and uh, he'd really like to get his hands on it. Of course, Tom's the pilot of, uh, or, you know, flies Voyager. He loves to fly. He's got also the Delta Flyer that he, that he designed and worked on. and But this new one, this this small alien ship, which he eventually dubs Alice in the episode, it, it's something that for some reason he really wants to get his hands on. And, uh, of course, that uh, they do get that, you know, get that uh, item from the junkyard and pull it into voyagers you know cargo bay and he works on it and things happen but we'll cover that as we go through the episode give you a little bit of other background on this particular episode of voyager again it was from season six production number 226 looks like it first aired in october of 1999 my gosh over 10 years ago uh and the story is by julianne delane and the teleplay, which is basically the script, is by Brian Fuller and Michael Taylor. So there you go. And directed by David Livingston, who's a, a very seasoned director for uh, Trek in general. Uh, so that's it. Uh, I just want to you know give you guys a synopsis like that at the beginning. And then maybe for those that have, haven't seen this episode in a while, it will sort of jog your memory. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, when I set the schedule for doing the podcast it's usually a month or so out and i i i wanted to cover this episode for a while and I, I tend to say that i think every time i get to a trek episode i'm like oh wow i should have covered that one that's a great episode to cover and this this one i enjoy for a number of reasons but what i wanted to say here when i set these schedules the the thing that caught my eye or kind of seemed a little odd to me is i seem to pick episodes sometimes that sort of are almost you know, premonitions of things to come a little bit. Now, that's happened related to my job situation. That's happened related to other things going on in my life. And the the reason I'm saying that about Alice is is I'm starting to look at cars again. And I, I kind of grow a little attached to the vehicles that I drive. And, and I've, I've loved this convertible G6 that I've had for the past uh, almost three years now, leasing it, and the lease is due in a couple of months. And I'm having to look at new vehicles, but every time I'm out there looking at new vehicles, I kind of look back at my car and I go, oh boy, I don't really want to get rid of you. So when I was going through this episode collecting up clips this morning, it kind of struck a chord since actually just yesterday I was out driving a a Mazda, Mazda 3, uh, which is kind of a neat little car. Although I've usually bought General Motors products and a little bit of Chrysler earlier on and things 
So, so driving this uh, was a big difference for me or big change, and I won't say much about that. But all I did want to say is it seems odd to me and when this kind of thing happens, these sort of coincidences of I'm out you know, shopping around for a new ride, and here Tom Paris gets sort of a new ride in this episode of Voyager. Kind of weird, huh? Isn't it? Maybe there's something in the back of my mind that made me pick this one for now because I knew the car thing was coming up anyway. But uh, I just thought I would give you that little share that moment. So here we go into the episode. Here's the first clip from the opening of Alice from Star Trek Voyager. All right, all right, hold on. If you were married in 2304 and your daughter was conceived during your 11th Ponfar, that would make you 162 years old. Incorrect. Come on, Tom. The man's not a day over 140. We know you were at least 100 when you joined Starfleet the second time, so I'm guessing you're around 133? Also incorrect. I'm afraid you both lack sufficient data to reach a logical conclusion. Come on, Tuvok. Tell us. I see no reason to enlighten you. Don't tell me Vulcans are embarrassed about their age. On the contrary, we value the wisdom that comes with advancing years. In that case, how wise are you? Wise enough to end this inquiry. Saved by the bell. I've got a fleet of ships, 200,000 kilometers, dead ahead. Can you identify them? Negative. I'm reading multiple hull configurations. Ray shields, red alert. Report. We've detected a large group of vessels directly ahead. Hostile? Possibly. I'm charging weapons. On screen. I'm counting 62 ships and a few hundred pieces of ships, all dead in space. It's a junkyard. Congratulations, Tuvok. You just saved us from a flotilla of hostile trash. We're being hailed. Let's see what they want. Welcome to Abaddon's repository of lost treasures. Whether you're in the mood to buy or simply browse, we're always open. Take a look. You may find something you never knew you wanted. So, yeah, as usual, that sort of sets the stage for what's going on. They, they, they find this uh, junkyard of ships, and uh, again, there's there's just tons of stuff out there, and how they actually happen across this one. Well, that's probably in the next clip, I think, that I'm going to play for you. But uh, I enjoy that the the guy that they picked, uh, the actor, I think his name is John Fleck uh, for, is that the actor's name? i got to look it up. I'm scanning through what I look for most of this information for lately, I have to say, uh, is on a place called memory-alpha.org. Org is, is a fantastic online sort of Trek reference encyclopedia wiki for all kinds of Trek information. And I've used lots of different things over the years for the podcast, but this is what I've been using currently and usually lately. Um, John Fleck is the actor. Yeah, he plays Abaddon. He is the junkyard dealer and kind of a, you know, kind of a, a little bit like uh, other Ferengi. And well, he's not a Ferengi, but Ferengi that we've seen in other uh, shows and episodes. A little kind of like Neelix. They kind of use Neelix in this one a bit in this episode to work with the junkyard guy and all. Uh, the The episode itself kind of parallels that uh, horror novel Christine uh, by Stephen King where that car sort of has a life of its own. And I've not read that book. I've seen the movie, but 
you know, that was some of the inspiration for what they did for this episode. So I thought I would say that here. Here is the next clip. This is when uh, Tom, I think, sees the ship, uh, the derelict ship Alice out in the junkyard. Of course, it's not called Alice at that point, but this is it uh, when they're looking through um, and scanning the, the debris, what uh, kind of catches his eye. All of it is useless. Wait, what's that? Benson. Grid 49 Alpha. Beautiful. Just an old rust bucket. What, are you kidding? Look at those lines. It's a work of art. That ship wasn't assembled. It was sculpted. I think I'm in love. Yeah, and I had a, you know, when I was watching this uh, and, and getting clips for you guys to listen to, that scene where he's like, I think I'm in love. And uh, I really felt like that, you know, sometimes when I've, when I've seen, you know, something that I like in, you know, in a car, uh, I don't know if I'd say love, that's a little strong for me, but, uh, it, it really happened a lot with the car that I have now. When I was looking around, I looked around at a lot of different vehicles, but I kept coming back to that one. That one was sort of like lodged in the back of my brain and it wouldn't kind of go away. And that's, that's why I tend to shop around a lot for, for cars and big purchases, this apartment hunt. Because I know if I keep like you, you look at another thing. Like you go and look at a bunch of cars, and then you go look at another one. But you keep thinking about this other one that you may have looked at, and then you look at another car. And if that other one that is in the back of your head, and it's still kind of that's the one that you keep thinking about, then that's telling you in your gut that that that's probably the one for you. That kind of an idea. I know I I might be getting into this in in ways that uh, well maybe that I didn't expect. <laughs> other people shop for a lot of different reasons. You know they they need just a big vehicle for you know, lots of kids and big families. So they just go buy a van and it's a lot less emotional than, than what I'm describing. But I, I'm not in that really situation these days. I mean, I, I would like something, you know, a new vehicle that, that has a little more room maybe than I have now and has pretty good mileage, but I'm kind of open for just about everything. So send your advice for new cars for Rico (laughs) to treksf at gmail.com or new little shuttles. That would be good. Boy, wouldn't it be great to have a shuttle and I'd be able to get home in like five minutes for the weekends and all. That'd be great. Anyway, diverging. There goes my mind. All in this house alone. Uh, next clip. That's what we'll do. Next clip. Yeah. Uh, this one is just Tom, I think, describing why it's, it's a Chakotay. And uh, Harry Kim is there telling him a, a little bit about what this ship could offer and why they should pick it up at, at such a bargain. So listen to this. Oh, uh, yes, there is one other item. Uh a small vessel that could be an asset. We've already got a full complement of shuttles, not to mention the Delta Flyer. What do we need with this derelict ship? Chakotay. This ship is a diamond in the rough. I'm sure it's got some scrapes and scratches, but here, take a look at these systems. It has a neurogenic interface that allows it to react directly to the pilot's thoughts. That gives it the potential of being quicker and more maneuverable than anything we've got, including the Delta Flyer. Add to that an optronic weapons array. I get the picture. Are you sure you're not just looking for a new toy? No, absolutely not. Even Bolana thinks restoring this ship is worthwhile. Maybe, if we had the manpower to restore it. No, I'll do all the work myself, on my own time. And if I need a hand, Harry's offered to help. I have? What will it cost us? Abaddon's agreed to give it to us for three used power cells in Tom's interactive record collection. My jukebox. All right. 
One slightly used alien ship. Don't make me regret this. Uh, you won't. Yeah, for a, for a ship that's kind of been out there floating around and kind of derelict, it seems to have some pretty sophisticated systems. That was one thing that caught my attention. You know, it's like, wouldn't a scrap place kind of, you know, gut these things and take out all the systems? Although later on you learn about that a little bit. That the uh, junkyard guy, Abaddon, he's got sort of a history with this ship that you don't learn about until later in the episode. Uh, next, uh, we'll go on to another clip, I think. Didn't want to say that much more about that, because we're, now we're getting into... Uh, once they get the ship is where the episode really kind of takes off and things start to happen. So they get the ship, uh, and the next clip and scene is, uh, I think they're in the cargo bay, and Tom Paris is starting to work on the ship, and Harry Kim is there with him helping and that. And, and this, I like this part, because this talks about uh, Tom and, and his naming of the ship and calling it Alice. And uh, here's a little, you know, question for everyone out there. You know, do you name your cars? Do you give them a little name? You know, not calling them by the, obviously, the manufacturer's designation, but do you give them names like, uh, well, like in that Stephen King book and movie, it was called Christine. And, you know, here we have Alice where uh, Tom names the, the shuttle Alice. And I've never really done that. I've tried a couple of times, but... I'll call her, call her, you know, by, you know, use the, the terminology her, like people do for, for certain ships and vessels, and I don't know if people do it for cars. I, I tend to use the female, you know, term for, for my cars that I've had, you know, you know, that kind of thing. But I've never, I don't think I've really ever given them a name that I can recall and, and that's stuck or anything like that. But I'm uh, just curious. I don't know if people out there do that much or, or who knows. But anyway, here's the next one. And Tom uh, describing why he's going to call this ship uh, Alice. Another damaged power cell. Oh, come on, Alice. How about it? Give us a break. Alice. Well, I've got to call her something. How about the lost cause? <laughs> Alice Batisti was the lost cause. I knew her back at the academy. She was smart, sexy, and she wouldn't give me the time of day. All right, Alice it is. Try it again. I've got a pulse. <laughs> a little snug. As Seven would say, an efficient design. The main computer's coming online. There's not much in it, just a few schematics. Looks like somebody tried to wipe the database. Probably rolled the odometer back too. Let's see what this neurogenic interface can do. What's it like? It's kind of hard to describe. I'm tapped into all the primary systems. Ops, tactical, sensors. What happened? We just blew out two more power cells. <sighs> yeah, so that's kind of cool. You, you know, you, you get uh, the idea of it being this old, you know, this girl that uh, Tom knew, but he never really, you know, dated or anything serious. You know, you'd think that maybe he would name... Uh, the ship after somebody that really meant something to him that he was involved with. But although there's, you can understand that he'd name the ship maybe after the girl that got away kind of idea. Now he's got her kind of in that. Uh, what I like about this episode, well, I like a lot of things, and I'm just going to you know start sliding them in here as we go. 
Uh, I like the fact that this is a, it's a fairly focused episode. There's not a lot of other side story stuff going on. Uh, you know, Trek tends to do that a lot, and sometimes very successfully, where they sort of have a, have a you know an A and a B story, and even a C story, you know, or whatever. But they really don't do that in this episode. This story is basically about you know it, it's about a you know it's a boy and his dog, a girl and his it, it, or a guy in his car or a guy in his shuttle here, and you know that's at the basic level. But there, there isn't just another thing about you know seven of nine going on a date with Chakotay or or you know Harry Kim doing something with you know Ensign Wilder or whatever. I don't know. Oh, that's not right. Naomi Wilder, right? She's a little too young. Well, anyway. <laughs> so the, I do like that. I like the fact that they they really focus on on this. What Tom's doing with the ship, trying to fix it and repair it. Uh, I'm kind of a, a fixer upper kind of guy. I like that kind of stuff both you know mechanical things not so much cars i'm not very good with cars but but home work you know doing work on on places that i've lived i i, I love that and i get a big uh big deal of satisfaction from doing that kind of stuff so the scenes where tom's working on alice and, and cleaning her up and painting her and, and tuning her up and, and just doing all that stuff is very appealing to me i like that part of this episode too and that i think leads me into the next clip which, uh, oh, I also like um, Robert Duncan McNeil slowly getting a beard in this episode. I thought they did a good job. I wonder if that was just him, if they had to like wait a few days between filming or if, they, if that was makeup that they applied. It looked pretty darn real, So, uh, and he must maybe he grows a beard pretty quickly. But I thought that that uh, really, I like the idea that, you know, he was just kind of ignoring his personal hygiene and, and not, you know, not caring about that and, and everything. So, uh, But the next clip is this one is with Tom and Bellana. Okay, we're not quite to the part where he's working more on the ship and, and getting more parts and things. Uh, that'll be the next one. But this is, uh, you know, Tom and Bellana. by the time this episode occurs in Voyager, have a fairly good, well, they're going out. You know, they, they're involved and they're basically in love or you're heading towards being married and having a baby and all that. So, you know, this is, a, they're pretty serious about each other. And, of course, Tom gets this new thing that he's become obsessed with, Alice, and that's taking time away from Balana and it is sort of overwhelming him. And that's another thing I can kind of identify with a little bit. Not so much. I don't think I ignore Lynn and my family that much, but I do sometimes get kind of obsessed when I get working on a certain project. And I, I can become, uh, you know, really, you know, like, it, it, it's consuming me night and day, I guess you could call it, although I, I don't usually give up sleep. I don't like to do that. But I've had some late nights sometimes with different projects over the years, so I can kind of uh, understand that situation. But there, um, this is where this clip coming up is where um, Tom is taking Bellana to see Alice after he's kind of tuned her up and cleaned her up and all that. So I finally get to meet the other woman. Well, don't be too critical. She's a long way from finished. When have you ever known me to be critical? <laughs> Is that a trick question? Okay, ready? Well? It's beautiful. I can hardly believe it's the same ship. <laughs> yeah, most of it isn't. I've replaced the impulse reactor, navigational array, uh, plasma manifolds. The list goes on and on. Just a few more repairs and she'll be spaceworthy. 
care to do the honors? It's almost a shame to break this over the hull. You have a point. Oh, oh, be careful. The upholstery. I'll send an engineering team down to clean it up. <laughs> to Alice. To Alice. So when's her first flight? Well, a couple of days if I can round up all the parts I need. You want to come with me? Sure there's room? It'll be a tight squeeze. We'll manage. Hold on. Something wrong? It's these environmental controls. I need recalibrating. It is kind of warm in here, isn't it? Alice, lower the ambient temperature. Please specify, Tom. Five degrees should do it. Temperature modification complete. That's some voice. It came with a ship. You jealous? Maybe I should be. <laughs> I hear you've been sleeping here. When Alice lets me sleep. Sounds like a real slave driver. So the the thing that I like the, about this scene and what starts to happen in this, <clears throat> excuse me, in this episode is where this character of Alice isn't just this ship with a computer voice. Tom Paris starts to actually see uh, Alice in in a human form, you know, a very attractive woman played by actress Claire Rankin uh, as Alice. And she has this very nice voice, but he starts to see her sort of manifest as a person next to him. And he's talking to her almost like he's talking to the ship, but they use this representation of a person, uh, you know, a real person there next to him. And it kind of reminded me, a little bit of Baltar on the new Battlestar Galactica, always talking to what they would call head six, uh, you know, six in his head on that show where this beautiful blonde woman would show up next to him and uh, he would talk to her even though other people were around and he kind of looked a little crazy. And in this episode, you know, Tom Paris is kind of wigging out and, you know, he's... He's seeing Alice not not even when he's in near the shuttle in other parts of the ship and everything like that, and that starts to happen. And they use, you know, of course, that actress's voice for the computer Alice, but also they use her, in, you know, in physical form when Tom's talking to her around at various points uh, on Voyager. Next up is he gets kind of shot down at one point. You know, he's running out of ways to to fix Alice. She needs some other parts. And he's he's kind of scavenged things out around the ship, but uh, he runs into a little bit of a roadblock. He goes to Chakotay needing some other parts for finishing the, the repairs that he's doing. But Chakotay turns him down. He says, hey, look, those things are important to Voyager. You can't just go pulling parts out of Voyager to work on your little pet project. So, uh, But, of course, with Alice sort of starting to kind of push Tom and, and almost just, you know hypnotize him or something you know basically he he's not being he's not thinking rationally he's doing things that he shouldn't and you know that that is also uh, you know that obsession here is is a very interesting thing too and it's it's never super clear of how much what what starts with this is there's this neural interface in alice and when tom first hooks into that you figure that he sort of forms this connection with this computer system program called Alice, this very sophisticated, almost lifelike uh, entity. And you wonder, you know, how much she is really pushing him in this episode and at what point he really, you know, 
is just going along with it because it's what he wants too. But he, what he decides to do after Kote says, no, you can't have the parts, Tom, he decides, of course, to not really listen to that. And Alice, through a little bit of encouragement from her, he starts to go off in different parts of Voyager, mostly uh, systems related to engineering in that area and, and propulsion and pulls little items out of there. And eventually Balana and people discover what he's doing. Uh, but this uh, next clip, I think, is just him taking some parts from Voyager. How's it coming? This is the last power cell. Then we'll just need the data module from section beta 12. What's wrong? Well, these relays are just tricky, that's all. You're not being honest with me. I thought we agreed to tell each other everything. It's just, we're compromising vital systems. Backup systems. If there's an emergency, Voyager's gonna need them. If your friends had been more understanding, we wouldn't have to be sneaking around like this. I've spent the last six years with these people. They're like my family. Sometimes you have to leave your family behind. They're not like us. They're trapped by rules and regulations. Velocity, freedom. They'll never understand these things the way we do. Yeah, maybe you're right. Of course I am. You don't belong here. You belong with me. Yeah, so the you know Tom's he's getting what he needs to get to uh, to fix Alice and, and and turn her into this super cool, super fast little shuttle and ship that he can uh, you know play around with and. The, you know, it's kind of uh, eventually discovered and what leads to or what happens after the discovery, Bolana of course, detects it and she kind of knows what Tom has been up to. And she immediately realizes that when these parts start to like disappear and they see some kind of energy, you know, fluctuation in engineering or it's gone down like 0.003% power or whatever, that uh, Bolana knows who to go confront, so he, she runs off to the shuttle bay looking for Tom, but he's not there at the time, and so she hops into Alice looking for him, and Alice isn't too happy, and there, there's a lot in this episode that's sort of reminiscent of Hal in 2001, for those who are familiar with that, that movie, and if you are a geek and you've never seen 2001, go get it right now and watch it. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the greatest movie ever made, but it's 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 definitely one you need to see. Speaking of that, and I'm spinning off into tangents, here goes another tangent. I watched the movie Moon the other night, which has sort of a little bit of a feel of 2001 to it, I thought. A, a cool movie with Sam Rockwell from just a year ago, maybe, or so. It's out on, on Netflix and those kind of places, but well worth it. So sorry for the divergence, but uh, related to that, you know, both uh, Moon and 2001 and this episode of Voyager all have these sort of sophisticated computer entities that the people on those different, you know, movies and in this episode they talk and converse with back and forth. They almost have a personality. And uh, I have to say, living out here alone in Rockford and uh, how many times have I said Rockford in the last few months? It would be kind of nice to come home and, you know, like, you know, just talk to my computer. And Well, I'm doing that right now, kind of. <laughs> but, I mean, for it to be conversing back. I've played around, and this is going to sound, oh, this was a long time ago, but they have these, 
I remember very early on in computing, you know, people had tried to create these, you know, a form of sort of artificial intelligence. And I'm trying to forget the name. There was one a long, long time ago I played with that was like a text-based thing that you would type in things. And somehow this program could could parse and cipher from what you would do and, and ask. And I think it had a female's name. Boy, it's blank. my mind is blanking for this program. But somehow it picked up on what you would talk about and be able to sort of eventually carry on a, a conversation. And I think there's some sci-fi author somewhere along the way, and I want to say it was Arthur C. Clarke, but I don't think that's true, but said that, you know, what's what's really artificial intelligence? You know, if you're talking back and forth and you can't detect that you're not talking to a real live person, that you're actually talking to a machine, uh, you know, that's, you know, what what is, what what's real intelligence, you know, or, or what it is, you know, what, you know, what, what signifies that, you know, and then data on TNG and that kind of thing. I mean, if obviously data certainly knew or certainly was his own life form by the, you know, by that show and, and what they presented there for the Android that he was. So, ah, Rico's spinning off. So let's go back to clips. <laughs> no one's here to keep me on task. On task. I love that phrase. Uh, next up, I think, yes. Okay, I was leading to this clip anyway as I spun off. Yes, this clip is when Tom, or sorry, when Bellana goes looking, looking for Tom and Alice is not too very happy with her. Computer, open the hatch. Unable to comply. Warning. Life support failure. Taurus to the bridge. Taurus to Chakotay. Anybody? Tripped environmental control. Don't you try to tell me this was an accident. What else could it have been? How about pilot error? Are you saying that this was my fault? What's gotten into you? You've been stealing components, Tom. I found the power cells. A few spare parts? You're overreacting. Am I? Where are you going? To talk to the captain. Wait. There's something wrong with you. Listen to me! Are you out of your mind? Stay out of this, Bolana! Yeah, so Alice tried to basically suffocate Balana, but Tom comes in to save the day, so. Ah, Country Time Lemonade, good stuff. All right, next up, uh, we're moving towards the end of the episode now. Eventually, Tom basically tries to, he realizes at a point in this episode, he tries to take himself to sickbay. Right after the, I believe it's right after that incident with the air and the problem with Alice, he realizes things have gotten out of hand and out of control. And he tries to stop what he's doing. He tries. He goes into the turbo lift, and Alice, the, the the human version of her, is there next to him, trying to talk him out of it. And what you find out is Tom's ready to stop, break the whole thing off, 
but she has this you know neurogenic interface and, and she basically causes him pain in his head and his brain and, and basically it looks like she could kill him and he decides well <laughs> okay all right i'll go along with you so he does at least try to pull away but but alice is a little too powerful and, and pulls him back in and eventually once he's in the ship she starts to there's at first there's this interface that just goes across his forehead and later she kind of hooks these little tubes into his suit and i don't know if they're going actually into his body too i guess they would be i don't think they'd just be going into the suit but he becomes sort of borg like once he's finally in in the in the ship and they they take off which is the next clip i think that i'm going to play for you when they escape and and take off from voyager he he's got this this you know he's hooked up so tightly into this vessel that he's almost become a part of it and and that's when he's sort of almost completely lost uh lost himself so um next uh yeah next clip is that escape from a voyager where tom is uh hooked into alice seal the shuttle bay doors too late he's out the shields are up i can't get a transporter lock tractor beam trying to tractor us stop them i can't you'll be able to maneuver much better if you complete the interface how activate the connector sequence we're one now tom think of what you want me to do and i'll do it we can disrupt their tractor beam pulse good you have access to our weapons use them he's charging weapons full power to the shields he's disrupting our tractor beam increase power to the emitters we'll drag him in by his heels if we have to he's broken free captain janeway to paris stand down and return to voyager immediately i'm with alice now captain let us go you know I can't do that, Tom. She'll do anything to get you back. I don't blame her for that, but we have to stop her. How? You know. He's coming about. He's charging weapons again. Direct hit. Return fire. He's gone to warp. Track him. He masked his warp signature. He's gone. So they're, you know, try the usual ways, try to get Tom out of there, beam him out, you know, blast him, tractor beam, all that. But uh, he gets away eventually and takes off, warps away. So now they're going to try to find him. And eventually they, they work through talking back to the junkyard dealer. They realize he had sort of this weird connection relationship with Alice also. And uh, the doctor comes into play to help him. And then they are able to track and finally find Tom, track him down. I think it's, yeah, it was because he had looked at a course thing and astrometrics and, and 709 noticed him there and all that. So, uh, um, but uh, they eventually, they're eventually able to track him down. And Alice basically wants to get back to the place she's sort of from. And they go to this sort of wormhole-ish kind of anomaly in space looking thing and a tunnel I forget exactly how to describe it, but uh, and he's trying to take Alice through that, and Voyager shows up, of course, to stop them. Firing weapons. 
If I could access their main computer and transmit a shutdown sequence. Problem is, Tom and Alice were detected. They'd compensate. Unless we find a way to distract them. Bridge to the doctor. Go ahead. Any progress on your analysis of the neurogenic interface? Not yet, Captain. Would it be possible to tap into the interface using a comm signal? I believe so, but I don't know what that would accomplish. You've got five minutes. Do it. And tell Bolana to prepare for an away mission. Captain? We're four minutes away. Bridge to sickbay. Status. Stand by, Captain. I'm making the final adjustments. I'm not sure how I feel about getting inside Tom's head. Maybe you'll be able to explain a few things when you get back. I knew you were the one. No one's ever gotten me this close before. I'll have you home in just a few minutes. I promise you won't be disappointed. Don't believe her. Where's Alice? There is no Alice. She's a pile of circuits in the ship's computer core. You're letting a program delude you. Doctor DeBridge, she's in. Now. Accessing their main computer. You don't understand. This is what I've always dreamed of. You're still dreaming. And when you wake up, you're in for a big surprise. Alice needs me. So do I. Nice sentiment, but it's a lie. Your family will do anything to keep us apart. Don't listen to them. Tom, it's me, Bellana. Alice is an illusion. I'm giving you what you always wanted, something they could never do. Does that sound like an illusion? I can't think. Leave me alone, both of you. They've accessed our systems. They're trying to disable my shields. Stop them. Focus on me. Listen to me. My shields are failing. Do something. It's time to come home, Tom. No! Hang on. We're going to get you out of here. Tom! Shields are down. Beam him to sick bay. There's too much interference from the particle fountain. I'm boosting the confinement beam. Try it now. We've got him. Alice is losing helm control. Resume course to the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, so they're able to get uh, get Tom back. Uh, I like the way they they resolve it too. It's sort of a combination of things. They don't just disable the ship and and beam Tom back. The thing that I enjoyed a lot about this and the, and the end of the episode is that they they send Balana in there. That you know the the person he's closest to, they send her in there and sort of into the program. To, to talk to Tom and, and to distract him and pull him back and pull him away from Alice. And they realize that she's the only one that can probably really get through to him. And I, and, and I enjoy that situation, and I, and I like that. And I've, I've said that before, I think, on this on the podcast a few times. You know, I, I like the fact that they put together Tom Paris and Bellana Torres just because they're, they're so different. They, they really are different types of people. She's half Klingon and, and a rough, tough, you know, engineer and and just just very different than the way he is and they they have a lot of conflict early in the early seasons and episodes of voyager and then eventually come together you know opposites attract a little bit but but tom really respects her and she can you know reason with him and and allows them to get tom back 
aboard uh, Voyager and, and kind of almost safe and sound. You know, a doctor does his little magic on him and everything's fine. And then the next uh, scene is in sick bay where Balana stops by to check on Tom and see how he's doing. And there's a nice little kind of sweet moment uh, there that I'm going to play for you right now. I've got something for you. It's a get well card from Naomi Wildman. It's a pretty good likeness of you, but I don't think she quite captured my eyes. I'm sorry for everything. It wasn't your fault. And I remember all of it. Everything I said, everything I did. It's like I was sleepwalking. The important thing is you woke up. for being my alarm clock. Anytime. From now on, I promise no more affairs with strange ships. What about the Delta Flyer? So there you have uh, my take and, and discussion about uh, the Voyager episode from season six called Alice. Uh, I, it's really a good episode, very solid. Robert Duncan McNeil is, is just really good in this episode, I think. He, he, there's some scenes where, you know, he gets a little crazy and gets a little rough, and, and I like that and, and that emotion. You know, he, he for me, he was always the character I kind of, I think, out of all the, the cast of Voyager that I kind of personally identified with the most. Uh, and, you know, seemed, uh, you know, kind of this, you know, he'd go off in the holodeck and create Captain Proton. I could see myself doing that, and he likes to fly the ship, and, you know, he, he's kind of, he's not, you know, the button-down perfect officer, and, and he's always got a kind of a little remark about whatever's going on, and he's not afraid to speak his mind. It just, I like his character a lot, and it was good to see an episode focusing on him and his love of flying and, and this Alice you know, situation. So we have a couple of uh, clips from listeners this week, which is great. I always love that. You can always send those in even ahead of time uh, to treksf at gmail.com. First up is Peter, who is Brompton Boy, yes, on the forum, and he is going to give us his thoughts on this episode of Voyager. Hello, Brother Rico. This is Pete from Philadelphia also known as Brompton Boy on the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum. Rico, I have a brief comment that I wanted to make about the Voyager episode that you're reviewing this week. The episode, of course, is Alice. Uh, Voyager is not exactly my, my favorite of uh, all the Star Trek series. Uh, I wish that uh, Mrs. Columbo had not been made the captain and that Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers had uh, been made the captain. That, that would have suited me much better, but uh, I'm sure they're not interested in my opinion. At any rate, uh, the one comment that I, the quick comment that I would like to make is that am I the only one who thinks that Stephen King's lawyers should be calling Voyager, calling the producers of Voyager and uh, pointing out 
all the overlaps and the, the idea infringement that they, uh, they, they stole here from Stephen King's book and movie, Christine? No? Well, anybody else think that? Well, well, well at any rate, that's it, Rico. That's, uh, that's the only comment I had to make. And uh, thanks. I'll see you guys on the forum. And remember, there is no sanctuary. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Pete, for your comment. Uh, yeah, I think I've yeah I mentioned that about the parallel to Christine. I think that was fairly intentional, you know, by by their part. There was, um, and I've never on you know quite. I'm not a copyright or a you know a legal mind at all. And, and you know, what point is, is something you know using elements from things that have happened and, and taken place where 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 do you cross the line, kind of thing, you know? When you take something and and put it in another form, you know, at what point is it like the lawyers could call up and make some money? I mean, I I definitely think you have a point. I think there's a lot here that's very similar. The uh, the question is is like, do, you know, does Stephen King really need the extra couple of bucks? And who knows if he ever even saw this episode? Or, or I think I've read that he he enjoys Trek. I'm not sure how much of a fan he is or how many you know of the series he's seen, but. <clears throat> Hopefully, uh, at this point in time, it doesn't really matter anymore, I guess, is the ultimate. You know, it's more than 10 years ago when this episode first aired. But, yeah, I can definitely see the parallels. So, But I uh, appreciate it, and thanks for your comments, Pete. And next up, of course, well, actually, I think I'm going to save that to the end. Um, well, maybe I'll split the song off. Well, we have Rick Moyer with his comments about this episode. And you know what? I think I'm going to play it right now, not at the very end. He's got some comments about the episode of Alice and a new song for all of you. So we're going to do that, and then I'll wrap up the show afterwards and tell you what's coming up on the podcast for the next few weeks. So, Rick, take it away uh, with uh, your comments about Alice and a cool new song. Hi, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. Moyer777 on the forums and the host of Take Him With You. I am glad that you have picked a Voyager episode because I miss watching Voyager. I haven't watched it lately, so I went right to your site and uh, watched the the little uh, fun little theater that you have on there and watched the episode one more time of Voyager's Alice. What a cool, cool episode. So much fun and a great idea and cool costumes and ideas. Uh, Just went through the whole thing. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, what a great episode, and I just wanted to say thanks. I give it, a, gosh, out of five stars, I give that one a three and a half to four stars because very entertaining, engaging, and a lot of fun to watch. And, I, of course, I like the little spaceships and stuff and the just being able to see all sorts of different designs and stuff and then seeing that ship was just, it was cool. So um, I did a song, a parody about the, the episode, and instead of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, I, I decided to do Another Ship in the Hold. And I think you'll understand as we go on. A lot of fun to do this one, and I hope everybody enjoys it. So here you go. Another ship in the hold. Thanks, Rico. Have a great day. Keep up the great work. Love your podcast. Treks and sci-fi rocks. So here you go. Collected more technology than the Borg. And almost all of it is useless. Wait. What's that? Benson. Grid 49 Alpha. Beautiful. Just an old rust bucket. What, are you kidding? Look at those lines. It's a work of art. That ship wasn't assembled. It was sculpted. I think I'm in love. We don't need no strength. 
regulations, velocity, freedom. They'll never understand these things the way we do. Of course I am. You don't belong here. You belong with me. Captain, he practically assaulted me. Well, that doesn't sound like Tom. It wasn't Tom, it was Alice. Now you've lost me. That's the name that he's calling this new ship. Ever since he started working on it, he hasn't slept, he's become irritable, irrational. It's not just me, Chakotay and Harry have noticed the same thing. This new ship, it has some kind of neurogenic interface. Exactly. It must be having some kind of an effect on him. Oh, that's great, great. Rick, you, you just never cease to amaze me what you come up with with these parody songs. And I, I want to say that, uh, you know, Rick has, of course, his great podcast, Take Him With You. You can find that over at TakeHimWithYou.com. Uh, it does it with his wife. And it's it's just fantastic. I urge everyone to check that out. And uh, also, Rick's put up uh, uh, some videos. He's doing this kind of uh, video cast, uh, talking about different things that are going on with him. Uh, and he's described about how he does his parody song. So, again, I urge everyone to check out what Rick's offering on the web these days. He's, he's a, a wonderful producer of content and always a great contributor to the show uh, for us. And I really appreciate it. And uh, love uh, love the new song. Just, just perfect. Fits into the episode so well. And uh, just, again, another fantastic job. And thanks for everyone's contributions this week. Mina and Pete and, and Rick Moyer, you guys, everyone, guys and girls, boys and girls, whatever, <laughs> men and women, let's say that, men and women, thank you very much. Always, again, uh, it makes the show. I, I try to keep it open for that. Um, for always contributions, treksf at gmail.com, very welcome. Please send me your reviews of books, movies, TV shows. We didn't talk much about TV this week. Uh, suffice it to say, Lost is getting very interesting. Flash Forward is kind of fading for me. I don't know. There's something about that show that's kind of getting weaker for me for some reason. Big Bang Theory is still great. Chuck is coming back tomorrow. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, there's still some great stuff on. And 24 is really going out with a bang. And, and I don't mean that as a pun. But the last couple episodes of 24 have been great. So, uh, which isn't a geek show, but I love it anyway. So there. So I said it there, huh? Oh, and I did want to point out Legend of the Seeker, which I should do a podcast about sometime, or maybe about fantasy TV shows, although that would be a huge subject. But uh, uh, really a great show. Love it. Beautiful show. They're in season two. But the thing I wanted to point out is on Netflix, you can watch all of season one and all of season two up until what they've aired so far on Netflix streaming. So check it out. And this podcast is not sponsored by Netflix. Not not at all. Although I'd love to have them. (laughs) 
All right, that's it, everyone. I got to get out of here. I got to get some lunch, and I got to edit this up and put it up online. But I wanted to mention what's coming up on the podcast. So hopefully we can get some more comments generated because those are always great. And uh, next week, I will be looking at a movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's a real favorite of mine and, and a little off the beaten path, but something that I want, want to cover and I, it, something about doing podcast or one thing about doing podcasts for me, it's a little self-serving or a little, um, I wouldn't call it selfish, but in this case, Donnie Darko, I'm going to look at the movie Donnie Darko next weekend on the podcast. And one of the reasons I decided to do that is I want the kind of excuse to dig deeper into this movie than I have from just watching it uh, when I've watched it a few times. I want to be able to you know, research it up and, and tell you a little bit more about it and that kind of stuff. So this gives me a good reason to do that. Uh, if you uh, like Donnie Darko, uh, please send me your comments. I'd love to have them. It's a very cool film and a very different kind of movie. Not, uh, I don't think there's any other movie really around that's kind of like Donnie Darko. Very odd and, and very strange, but good. Next uh, up after that, on the weekend of May 9th, on that Sunday, we'll have a guest cast. Uh, This will be with our our good friend Jedi Jeff. He's going to look at the TV series from the 60s, The Time Tunnel. And uh, you can send comments to me, and I can forward them on to Jeff. That would probably be the easiest rather than giving, you know, multiple emails out here and stuff like that. But uh, if you've got some comments about the Time Tunnel, that Erwin Allen series from the 60s. Uh, Also, I noticed the other day you can watch all of those episodes on Hulu.com if you have access to that. And finally, on the schedule, the weekend of May 16th on that Sunday, hopefully that will stay in place. You know, moving is, well, I don't think I'm going to move by then. So, But uh, we're going to do a Skype call about summer movies for that weekend and i'm probably for those who join in usually we will probably be recording unless something drastic changes probably that saturday probably on may 15th probably sometime midday ish or something like that to try to satisfy most people uh you know in the time zones but i will put that announcement uh, date and time up pretty soon probably within the next week or so. But we'll be doing a Skype call talking about what we're looking forward to for the summer. By then, Iron Man 2 will have been out and, and stuff. We can talk about a few things of the early releases, uh, but other stuff that's coming out this summer, summer in the, at the movies, we're going to talk a lot about that. So that's what's coming up on the schedule. I am also still going to do that uh, special Empire Strikes Back podcast towards the end of May. It uh, may be over Memorial Day weekend, maybe the weekend before that, maybe even the weekend after that. Uh, I'll be setting that pretty soon on the schedule. But so you can send me your comments about Empire. The biggest thing I, I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago that I really wanted from people was their first kind of impressions if they saw it way back when it first came out in the theater or maybe just came the first time you ever saw it on, on a video, VHS, DVD, who knows. And, oh, there's... There's fairly substantial and serious talk now that they are going to have these movies come out on Blu-ray before the end of 2010. Steve Sansweet is sort of the uh, fan relations or is the fan relations Star Wars guru guy, and he made an announcement uh, at, I think it was just last weekend, C2E2, which was in the Chicago area, which I could have gone to, but I didn't because I was doing other things. Who knows? (laughs) But... It sounds pretty likely we're going to get all the Star Wars movies on Blu-ray before the end of 2010. Uh, So that'll be cool. I'm looking forward to that. Of course, that will just be the first release in another never-ending release of these movies in various forms. But hopefully they'll make the first one a good one worth worth buying. It won't be just a quickie to get it out there or whatever like they did with Avatar. So uh, that's all I'm going to say about that.
Anyway, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Very appreciative of the support. If you feel like donating through PayPal for a little donation to the podcast, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, You can find those links on the main treksinsci-fi.com page or on the forum. Thanks. Bye. podcast released under creative commons license 3.0 share it with your friends your family your dog bye